Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Back Room. I'm Andy Ostroy, and I'm really excited to be launching this brand new podcast today. Um, unfortunately, I had intended to be in our studio, but something came up, and I have to do this in my living room instead. Uh, but for a minute, let me explain what The Back Room really means, because it's kind of cool. The Back Room is literally a back room. It's a back room in an awesome little store uh, in the Hudson Valley uh, in Rhinecliff called the Epicurean. And there's an, an amazing little studio set up in, in the back room. And so that's kind of the, the most organic explanation uh, other than the fact that, uh, you know, my whole life I c- kept hearing that, you know, the back room is where all the good stuff gets discussed. So uh, hopefully, uh, and then there's Hamilton, of course, you know, it's the room you want to be in, right? So, um, a little bit about me in case you don't follow me on Twitter or don't have any idea who the hell I am. Uh, I pretty much spent a lifetime in marketing and, uh, a couple of years ago became a filmmaker. I have a documentary on HBO Max right now called Adrian, which is, uh, about my late wife, the actor and filmmaker, Adrian Shelley, who unfortunately was murdered in 2006. So that was kind of a life-changing event for me, as you can imagine. Uh, but I'm a writer and a tweeter and uh, a producer. Uh, I'm a candy store owner, uh, play the drums, and, uh, you know, I don't know, all kinds of shit. Same shit as you guys do. Um, so the question is why... Why do this podcast? You know, another, you know, another podcast. Is that what the world really needs? But, you know, a podcast is a great platform for one to, you know, share their feelings on things. And I am a pretty political guy, uh, if you do follow me on Twitter. And um, but I I thought that the podcast is not just going to be, you know, exactly like my Twitter feed you know, which is chock full of righteous righteous indignation, but, you know, more fun uh, and, and, you know, a bit lighter, still talking about, you know, heavy duty political stuff, but with some, some, with a lot of laughs. And and the key to that is, you know, interviews with celebrities and politicians and journalists, media people, um, still talking about the important stuff of the day. And that's really the reason why I started this podcast, because there's just so much shit going on today, which is, I mean, existential, like we've never experienced. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but like I, you know, I kind of get obsessed with this stuff. Like I feel like sometimes not just American democracy is coming to an end, but the world is coming to an end, you know, especially when that flake over in Russia starts threatening to send nukes every which way. So. There's a lot to talk about, a lot to commiserate with. And, you know, hopefully I'm the guy that you can sort of, you know, listen to and feel better <laughs> after an hour of, of me ranting like a lunatic uh, uh, with my guests. Um, so that's what it's going to be like. Um, I'd like to introduce and uh, have, you know, have you say hello to uh, uh, engineer and producer extraordinaire, Maddie Rosenberg. Um, he is uh, the brains behind Radio Free Rhinecliff. Uh, Ryan Cliff and and just a, a brainy guy to begin with. So there's a lot of brain power going around here. Um, say hi, Maddie. Hi. You might hear from Maddie every now and then. You know, I mean, Maddie's a smart guy with all this political stuff, and uh, you know, I think his his opinions are kind of interesting. Uh, and he's also he's also a funny guy. So I'll try to keep up. <laughs> we are going for the laughs here too. Um, there is a phone number that if you behave yourself and leave uh, a fairly civil message, uh, we might read your messages on the air in the next episode. So that's 845-307-7446. If you've got something to say and want to email it, you can send that to backroomandy, that's all one word, at gmail.com. And so I really do hope you'll listen, you'll like what you hear, and most importantly, stay for a while because i think it's going to be a lot of fun uh i I promise you today's guest is a lot of fun uh and i want to get to today's guest pretty quickly but i just want to i feel remiss if i didn't comment uh, and bring up uh the hearings uh that are taking place right now in washington the january 6th committee hearings uh maddie i'm assuming you're watching it as well uh as is 20 or 30 million people and uh which doesn't sound like a lot when you think about we have 320 
40 million people in this country, like only 20 million are watching, you know, uh, this stuff. But it's amazing because the, the most important thing I want to just say before we shift to the interview is that something drastically changed in the last week as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I'm, I've been watching TV pretty obsessively the last few days just to see the reaction uh, from politicians and media people and legal experts, constitutional experts. And the tide has definitely shift, shifted. You know, you, you were hearing a lot from people who a week ago were like, yep, this guy's going to keep getting away with this stuff. And in the last 24 hours, it's like not only do they think he's going to get indicted, but now there's actual talk of a possibility, however remote it is, that he could get indicted for attempted murder. I mean, what the fuck? That's just insane. So we've gone from, oh, my God, he's going to get away with all this shit again. And like always to could he possibly be indicted also for attempted murder. So we've learned that he he knew that he lost. We learned that he knew that what he was doing was criminal and trying to overturn the election. Um, we learned that he didn't care and plowed forward anyway. And we learn now that he actually got a woody from the thought of Pence getting murdered. So that's all in the last week, folks, maybe even in the last 48 hours. So things are changing. And I'm, I'm, I've always maintained, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I'm one of those people that are out there saying he's going to get, he's going to get justice. It's going to find him. And I feel that way now more than ever. So hopefully in the next few weeks, uh, the Democrats can keep doing uh, the awesome job I think they're doing. Um, I think by the time they're done, the picture is going to look a lot different. And I think the pressure on Merrick Garland over at the Justice Department is going to be too immense. It's already too immense. Uh, Maddie, you agree? I, I hope so. <laughs> Maddie's an optimist, as you can tell. <laughs> so anyway, without further ado, I want to move this thing forward because I am really, really excited to, 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 to uh, get to the interview. So, but first I just want to, can we bring up that awesome music again, which was uh, uh, composed by my dear friend, uh, Andy Hollander, who uh, composed all the music to my late wife, Adrian's films and the documentary that I uh, recently directed and produced. So let's bring that up again. All right, I'm really excited to introduce my guest today. Uh, he's not just today's guest, but he's the first ever guest into the back room. Uh, he's wow. best known for his work on Friends, uh, the 2015 Night of Too Many Stars telethon. Mm -hmm. uh, my friend and uh, candy store owner and sexiest man alive, Mr. Paul Rudd. Welcome into the back room, Paul. Thank you, Candy Andy. <laughs> That theme rocks. It's that's the first time it's been heard. It 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 is. Every this is a, everything that's happening right now is the first. Oh my god! And I, I have to say that I um, uh, I feel deeply honored that I get to pop my podcast cherry with mm. uh, the sexiest man alive because oh. that's hot. No matter how you cut it, it's <clears throat> pretty hot. I uh, I'm thrilled and honored to pop your cherry to be the first guest. I feel a little bit like. Bill Murray, when David Letterman went on the air. <laughs> That's kind of how I'm feeling right now. I know people are, are just hearing us right now, but if they could see us, they would, they would see, you have a straight crack in your glasses. <laughs> I mean, like right down the middle, right across your eye. That can't, that can't work. Do you see it? Do you, I, I know you. I know you have a list of questions a, prepared, and this was probably not the way you were anticipating starting this off. It's it's a it's the new bifocal, Paul. <laughs> it's vertical. Yeah, actually, it's an interesting there's, bifocal. It's, there's you, two of you. you I was just gonna say you must. It's like like the fly. You everything must look like a prism. Look at me right now in my eyes. Well, every what do you do? I see. I'm going to take the glasses off now, and you'll see what my eyes are. Right. See how. Right now, in the left eye, I see two of you. Yeah. Right eye, I, only, I see three of you, which is actually kind of weird. Yeah. Oh, you had a big night last night. What <laughs> What happened to your glasses? What happened to that? That. that I've become old. <laughs> you know, like when your father and like people just get old, they start doing weird shit. Like this is part of that. Yeah. But I, it isn't just my father. My father, I notice it in myself. Certainly, I have glasses. 
I have glasses for when I wear my contact lenses. Different glasses than when I'm just wearing glasses. You, you might need a new optometrist. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe I need to take your bifocal lesson into uh, into account. Yeah. Um, but so back to the cherry popping thing. I just want to, as, as a disclaimer, yeah. uh, I want to say that uh, like most people who pop one cherry or another, mm. I'm probably not going to be that good. So uh, go easy on me, Paul. Okay. Be gentle. Oh. Be gentle today. I've got, let me tell you something. I'm a pod, I'm a podcast <laughs> vet. <laughs> I, uh, I don't, uh, you know, I, I've done a few of these things. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you done, you've done lots. I didn't of know what a podcast was until about a week ago. So that's really yeah, old. I'm a Luddite. Wow. You really are. I mean, my, maybe I'm a Ruddite today. Yeah. Actually. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm a bit of a Luddite myself. <laughs> so, um, we're, we're, you know, we're made for each other. But this is just you and me talking, Andy. Right. This is us getting to the heart of it. To the that's what we're here for today. The real to cut through all the shit. Yeah, yeah. Cut to the quick. There's no other podcast you've ever been on that's going to make you leave today feeling the way you're, you're going to feel. I'm going <laughs> to trust feel me. Exposed and uh, it's, maybe uh, a little regret too. Uh, actually, already. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you're probably sick of the whole uh, yes. sexiest man alive. Thing. Oh, I didn't know where you're going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The sexiest man alive. Are you say you're sick of the podcast already? No, just, I just say, like, like, we're we sick of now. Let's not, end it. It's not, over. God damn it! My podcast. Got, I think we've, you know, Pop we the can't get blood and from the stone. One... We've we've covered everything. Okay. Um, am so, I sick of the sexiest? We, yeah. Well, I mean, well, let me ask yeah, you this: you... like, uh, for one thing, like, uh, I'm going to get a little serious here. The sexiest man thing, I, I get it. I mean, I've known you a long time, and you're, you know, you're. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if I'd say sexiest, but top five maybe. But, um, but to me, <laughs> to me, you are more like one of the nicest guys alive. You know what I mean? Like that's how I see. Like, there should be like a, a nice people magazine with you on the cover as the nicest. I don't think man that alive. I uh, am top five in either of those categories. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm top five hundred in either of those categories. Probably not no, a million in those categories. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to illustrate a story. I'm going to... Uh, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say I'm going to tell a story. I want to share a story that illustrates what uh, I said. You probably forgot it, uh, but it stuck with me. Um, Paul has been very generous uh, with his time and, and your support over the years of my foundation, named after my late wife, Adrian Shelley Foundation. And we were doing a thing at NYU for the foundation at one point and we were walking down Broadway and this college girl sees you coming down the street and she's like oh my god Paul I mean she goes into full on fangirl mode and and we stop and she says oh my god I love you you're like my favorite I, I, I can't believe I'm you know my I'm so in love with you but my roommate Jenny just just not into you I don't understand that and you said to her get her on the phone oh. and she was like seriously and you said yeah get her on the phone you remember this story? I don't. Okay. I totally made it up. That's why. Um, you got her on the phone, and the, the girl gets her on the phone. She says, you're never going to believe this. I'm walking down Broadway, and I just ran into Paul Rudd, and he wants to talk to you. Hands you the phone, and you're like, hey, it's Paul Rudd. What's up? What's this with this you're not into me shit? Hmm. And I, three feet away, I can hear this girl screaming. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I, I feel like in that moment, you profoundly change the lives of those girls <laughs> i think that's hyperbolic and, but um, but who does that who, who does somebody that? who's you do really that. insecure <laughs> i think you're mistaking kindness for like you no, know, no no real no, no, like no. wait somebody doesn't like me i have to try and change their mind trust me i know insecurity <laughs> insecurity is my middle name that was kindness that was that was just that was just you so anyway that's that um but the 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 uh the one last thing on the sexiest man alive. Thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be flattering, right? I mean, especially for a man your age. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> no, it is certainly flattering. It was just surprising and bizarre. And I, and obviously, it means it's not true. And it doesn't mean anything. But it is, you know, certainly uh, flattering to, uh, you know, get that email giving me the news. It was from your mother. It was my, from my mom. Yeah. 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 By the and, way, it, there's not like when you, I, th- I told my mom, I know when I told my wife, uh, she was very sweet and said, oh, they picked the right guy. And I think my mom was 
excited as well. But I don't know if she said that, but it, it, it's weird to have your mom comment on your sexiness. So I don't, I'm, I'm trying to remember what, Very she, weird. what she said. I'm hoping it wasn't one. But she was, she was, I mean, what, what's of go, it? by the way, what's going on with my brain that I don't remember <laughs> clearly anything? Maybe I, you, you might need some, <laughs> some vertical bifocals, wow. actually. Yeah. Um, but do you think about it a lot? Like, do you, do you, do I think com- about, do I think, about no, 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 do you compare, compare yourself? Are you always comparing yourself now mm. to other men? Like, for example, when you're with your friend, Weird Al Yankovic, like, are you saying mm. to yourself, like, there's no way I'm sexier than that guy? Well, there's, uh, there's, there's different categories. Here's what I'll say about Weird Al. Um, I saw him in concert about two weeks ago. Well, maybe three weeks ago. Um, in Up here in Poughkeepsie. Sexy man. Starting his tour. And um, I find uh, one of a, a very sexy quality in people, obviously, is talent. It's kind of the most sexy thing. Mm-hmm. Al Yankovic is so talented. It's... Uh, He's he's the kind of talented that's easy to oversee uh, or not really digest the talent because people think that he is just kind of like this satirical writing funny songs. Um, That dude is incredible. Amazing musician. His own songs are amazing. I saw that concert. I couldn't stop smiling. And uh, and I looked around and I assumed everybody else was smiling too. I couldn't tell because everyone was still wearing masks. But <laughs> but it was pure joy. That show was pure joy. And uh, he created that. And I think he's kind of been creating that for decades. Oh, he's been around forever. He, not only been around forever, but been awesome forever. Right. He's one of those guys that everyone's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then enough time went by and they kind of said, wait a minute. He's awesome. And uh, and what's what's sexier than that? So I don't think I even enter the stratosphere, <clears throat> the 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 explosion of sexiness that is Al Yankovic. Yeah, and and he's got a curly mullet, which well he did at one time. Now it's grown out. Now it's now it's all kind of like one length, even sexier. It's timeless. It's a timeless look. By the way, that guy. He's looked the same for people think I look the same forever. Look at him. You do look the same yeah. forever. I was well, gonna that's say. your glasses. <laughs> but um but he yeah, he's uh No, he's a talented dude. He's the best. And he's got his thing. But back to the sexiest man alive thing. God, you're really hung up on this, Andy. No pun intended. Jeez. Um It's not that I'm resentful at all. I mean, you know, the fact that you have this uncanny ability to be aging in reverse while I'm breaking out in warts and liver spots. I mean, literally, look at my, my hand. Like I don't I, want I'm looking like my father. All right, anyway, that's it for the um, for this Sexiest Man Alive portion. Liver portions. spots? <laughs> liver spots. I know, I'm not lying. Look at them. Liver spots. I think that's just sun damage. Age. Uh, <laughs> so I mentioned candy, all right? We, we, yeah. we own a candy store together yeah. in the beautiful town of uh, Rhinebeck. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it like for you? to be able to own a candy store. It's the coolest thing ever. But why? Well, um, several reasons. Um, I'll start with the obvious. It's a, it's a candy store. <laughs> How great is that? I love candy. I mean, I have a real... Some people are like, man, I could kind of take it or leave it. I can't leave it. I have a real sugar tooth. And I like candy that is meant for children like i like little kids candy i'll buy it like i and i have no uh um i can't ease up on it i can't just take a little bit i've gone into our store and i've bought the like a tube of bottle caps and i will eat the entire tube and they're not small it's not like a little tube it's a long tube big tube it's a big tube of bottle caps and it, i almost if i if i want to have some for later i have to buy two because I know that like once I, I get to the car, before I even pull out of the parking lot, that tube is pretty much down to the last third. And then and then it's gone before I get home. Now, are you buying two because we get that big discount? Yeah, it's a huge discount. <laughs> it's uh, I'm buying two because I need to go. I'm going to go through one. 
to prepare myself to eat bottle caps. Now, do you when you do when you're doing all this? Are you alone? Uh, no, I'm usually with my family. So there's no shame involved. Well, there's always shame involved, mm-hmm. um, but uh, there's there's just there's just something great about a candy store. And also, if you go into a candy store, no one's ever in a bad mood when you're in a candy That's right. store. And I mean, let's just take whatever we whenever we can find people not in a bad mood, take it. Um, so there's something great about going into the store and seeing people in the store and they're, they're happy to be there and kids, especially they're, you know, looking at what they're going to get. And, um, for our town, it's nice to have it there because not only does it employ a lot of the kids that go to school, it's a place for them to hang out. It's, um, it's a place for the town to kind of hang out. It's, it's how we came about knowing of this store, you know, we, right. and people that don't know the history, we didn't start this store. We bought it after Ira. Oh, I tell people we started it. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, I'm, I'm going to, for those of you that have believed your lies, I'm going <laughs> to, we'll set the record it's the straight. Real, the, it's the real big lie. It's, it's the big lie of the, of the Hudson Valley. Yeah. So you and me and, and Jeff and Hillary yeah. and Julie and Julie. And mm-hmm. yeah, so we, we all kind of went in after Ira passed away because we saw the value of this store for the town. And so to be um, a part of that and help keep this thing going is uh, is nice. It's a good thing. Yeah. No, it's fun. And it is the happiest place on earth. And I got to know Danny Bonaducci because of it. Really? Yeah. Well, he was a, he's a customer. And Is uh, he really? Yeah. And he liked my uh, uh, lunch, my Partridge family lunchbox that I put up on the wall. Oh, yeah. And so we connected and, and and yeah he's a big fan of the of the shop that's uh that's awesome how yeah. did i not know that yeah you did uh, you're, you're did i forget thing. it did no, I, is no, a file in the thing of you uh, want to borrow like, these <laughs> sure i think our brains are like hard drives and my hard drive is totally full yeah and in order to take in any new information i now have to delete files and danny bonaducci uh what my mom said when i got the sexiest man alive title and um and then calling that girl uh, the night of the benefit for Adrian, uh, they're all gone. I'm gonna. I have to rely on you to tell me. But you look good. That's all that matters. That don't really, you don't know worry what? about what's that going really, on inside. That really it's is what's outside. That, that really is all that matters. <laughs> Maybe next year you'll be like the most forgetful man alive. Uh, <laughs> next year is always. Uh, yeah. You know, you can aspire to that. All right, so I think we're gonna move on from. Sexiest Man Alive, unless you want to Must talk we? about it. <laughs> unless you want to go into... We can peel away the layers of that onion more if you want. No, I think we've peeled it. All right, that's good. So you were born in New Jersey. Yeah. You were raised in California and Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were bar mitzvahed in Canada. Yeah. Educated partially in England. Mm. You get around. I'm a I'm a citizen of the world, <laughs> but I'm most fascinated. The Jew in me is fascinated by the Canadian bar mitzvah part. What? How did that come about? I have a lot of family in Canada. Mm-hmm. A lot of my family left England and went to Canada um, because I had an uncle that uh, an aunt and uncle that were there, and uh, so eventually, like my grandparents were there, cousins, uh, relatives. There were. M- no one was going to come to Kansas City to see a to to see my <laughs> Torah portion. So I went to uh, we went there because the family was there. Right. But I had no, you know, and I'd gone to Canada like throughout my life to visit family. So and are, and are bar mitzvahs in in Canada similar to uh, American bar mitzvahs? Well, you're pretty much reading from the same thing. The Bible's the same. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like you, our tulluses look the same. Uh-huh. Um, the rituals, I guess, is what I'm, you know, talking well, about. Yeah. Not, not the old stuff. Yeah, except it, when you're reading, you say, and, you know, like uh, in, in Canada, they say, hey, <laughs> at, a, at a Canadian bar mitzvah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey. You know what I mean? It's like uh, they... they, they um, they just have a different inflection and colloquialisms. I was thinking that because can- Canadians are always, you always hear Canadians are supposed to be like so much nicer mm. and kinder that I thought maybe their bar mitzvah. And I like fit in 20, just perfectly. 20 minutes. 
<laughs> 20 shorter, minutes? Shorter, yeah. It's shorter. That'd be the kindest thing you could probably do at a bar mitzvah is to uh, make them really short. Right. So the Canadians don't do that. I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, look, I barely even remember that, that whole experience. It was so nerve-wracking. So I'm getting the sense of anything I'm going to ask you to try to remember today is probably going to be problematic. No, I mean, I can remember parts of that. Okay. I, uh, you know, because it's your bar mitzvah. You just remember. Was but it I, big? A lot of people. No, it wasn't that big. And I, you know, I don't, I didn't, re- I, I'm not, I was never really uh, very religious. Mm-hmm. I did this because mm-hmm. this is what you do. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was fine. I got, um, I was like every kid psyched that maybe I'd be able to get some checks. And uh, I was able to buy um, a radio uh that had like, you know, like a boom box that had a little TV on it. That was the only thing I got from my apartment. <laughs> no fountain pen? <laughs> no fountain No pen. Canadian fountain uh, pen. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there might have been a fountain pen from an, a, a relative. I'm sure you got one. There ha- yeah. look, that's what's, what, you know, when else are you going to get them? That was what my dad would always say. Today you are a fountain pen. <laughs> <laughs> so the other day we talked, you said you were out in LA. What, what are you working on these days? What, now? Yeah, like what do you? Or, what, or when I was a kid, when I was in L.A. No, 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 we're off that already. We're, we're oh, all right. Uh, no, we can I go was back just, to Jews if you want. Uh, no, please, we can move on. Um, uh, I think well, when I was in L.A., I was uh, filming. I was just there because I was filming this a part of a scene from the next Ant Man movie. Um, even though we had finished it, there was like one very technical scene uh, that we it took some extra time to kind of craft and and do and so um i had to do the second part of that because it's nuts and that's that's coming out next year that's coming out in, i think in february mm-hmm. of 2023 mm-hmm. and so what would you say is the biggest part of the, the biggest way your life has changed since entering that marvel well, visibility universe. for sure. Um, until the Marvel stuff, I didn't do anything that really any kind of kids would, nothing that kids would really know, really. Um, maybe like Clueless or something like that. But that was even a, the kind of movie that like the kids that were kids when that movie came out are grownups now. So, um, you know, Marvel is such a global thing. Um, just to be a part of that. Uh, is it's it's really it would seem it's like very it's noticeable. I mean, awesome thing Friends, you know, doing episodes of Friends certainly was. I shouldn't say kids would know because kids, a lot of people watch Friends, obviously. Um, but that was, you know, that wasn't. I never really felt. Uh, I would never take any kind of ownership of that. I was honored to be there, but it was. I was really a kind of a peripheral, you know. Not that I'm not in in the Marvel universe, but it's. Uh, it's just everywhere. And Shrink Next Door, I, I loved. I mean, I thought that was an amazing series. And the reason I loved it is because you're, you, never, you never really play like a dick, you know, like, mm. a, like a bad guy. Right. I mean, not just a bad guy, but like you were like just kind of evil in many ways. Mm. And, and yet likable. Which is... That's the trick, I think. I mean, I try not to think of um, parts or, or characters or anything in, in uh, good guy or bad guy kind of uh, roles. I think of it more in, um, I, you try and find what's empathetic about a person and um, understand the motivations as best you can. And I think if you can ma- play somebody and there are qualities that are likable, um, it makes the character just a little bit more three-dimensional. And that story is true. You know that that yeah, right. that, that was Isn't that a po- that was a podcast. Yeah, it was right? a podcast, but it was you know fun to play that part because it was definitely different than parts right. I normally play or get to play. Would you say it's in a way more fun because you get to sort of go out of your well, it, you know, or? there it was fun. One, it was fun because I loved everybody I was working with, and that's the you know crucial i mean i get to work with will ferrell and Catherine hahn and casey wilson like all, all and everyone involved in it but um but it was fun to play i mean a real kind of character um you know that that is very different than most of the things that i've been doing which 
uh, are not so extreme. Um, I mean, this character looked different. He spoke differently and his motivations were different than other characters I'd played. So yeah, it, it was a nice, it, it was, you kind of feel like you're, I don't know, flexing a different kind of muscle a little bit, but, uh, it's, you know, it's all, it's all kind of the same stuff, but it, it, it's fun when you get to really kind of do something that's a little bit broader or more extreme. And did you get to, was there a lot of ad-libbing on that or was that I mean, following a script? <clears throat> it was following tightly? a script, but there was some, not that, I don't even, there wasn't really all that much. I mean, when I, it's, it's funny, I having worked with Will Ferrell more than once, um, there's a lot of improv on other things we did, certainly Anchorman and right. that kind of thing. But this was uh, this was this was pretty heavily scripted. We once had a conversation. So was Anchorman, by the way. But but we just we, yeah we we didn't. I don't think we really improvised that much. Mm-hmm. Um, although we started to, I think, a little bit more as it went on. We we had a conversation once about ad living and working with different directors and how different directors some go straight by the book and others just say hey go for it you know and your preference if you have one like um well I you know there's I feel like this has become a thing that certainly when I uh, talk about or I get asked about it um. It's, t- it's taken on this new thing. That so many people think, oh, you know, uh, you guys get together and you just m- make stuff up. I mean, not, that's that's not the point of it. And it's annoying uh, sometimes when I think people think, oh, you'll just go and change it up. <laughs> you know, nothing beats a really good script. Right. Um, and there is... Uh, there's, it's great working on something that's really well written, and there are certainly actors that I work with that don't really want to improvise, and I, I don't uh, do it that much if people don't want to do that. Um, if people do want to do that, and there's something kind of funny, or depending what the, what the material is, I really like doing it. But it's not about jokes, really, and it's not about... Um, uh, I don't know. I think it's, it, it, it forces you to listen it forces you to listen in a way that sometimes you just don't if you're trying to remember a line. And when you're forced to listen, your reaction is real. Um, if you don't know what the other person's going to say or what you're going to do. And that makes the actress have to think. Whenever you're watching somebody think, it's intriguing. Um, and so creatively, I like doing it. Because it may it forces you to be present, um, and when something really snaps, you know, when something works, it you can feel it, and if it's funny, and you you can tell it's funny, that's the best feeling. It's the greatest. But you go through a bunch of things to try and find those moments. You can go through a, a lot of takes, and um, well, I think like there are there are certain scenes people who watch films, who your films. And wonder like, oh, was that it? Like, you know, and, and they've become kind of iconic moments. Yeah. Like a slap of the bass, slap of the bass, slap of the bass. Like it's hard to imagine like that was written that way. Yet it, if it was improv on some level, like the way it comes out is just like. Well, that's know. sometimes, you know, yeah, you can. It, sometimes it works or people uh, can respond to something. But do you, uh, do you feel sometimes though when you're watching a movie and or a comedy and you you say, oh, I can tell this is these people are improvising, and it's not that great. And you're like, I wish they just had a good script and could say the lines. <laughs> Sometimes I'm I notice it, and it doesn't. Um, and it doesn't. Uh, I think I notice it more when I feel like it's working really well. Like wow, mm. like wow, that to come up with that in that moment that way. Like, yeah, makes you feel like you, you're. Well, when it works, no, it truly like it when it works. You can create an organic moment. Yeah. And for the same reason, like if you're listening to, you know, some, a band and uh, all of a sudden there was like a mistake, but it's in, they leave it in because there's some, it's like a real moment and it make, it kind of makes the song that can happen with a, a scene. It can, 
something can just happen that you can't plan for and it, it wouldn't work if you if right. it was written right um and you look at a show like curb which is you know apparently all yeah well that's that you know that's there there are ways to do it i've done uh, i i have never worked on on curb your enthusiasm it's a great show and obviously my god funniest people ever and larry david is a genius but yeah they probably have the script kind of like a synopsis you know what needs to be accomplished in order mm-hmm. to move the story forward and how you get there you don't really know maybe you write a little list of some things you might want to say or jokes or mm-hmm. things like that but more often than not you go into the scene with other people who know the information that needs to be uh, to, to revealed or divulged and, and, and how you get there, you don't know. And you're just going to start bouncing off of one another. And if you find the right group of people, when you can kind of share, share a wavelength and uh, your setups and all of that stuff are become innate where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to tee up this shot because I can tell they're ready to spike the ball. When you can do that and not have to talk about it, you're in the zone and it's great. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that's it's like that with any well-oiled improv group that works together. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like the classic being with people who finish each other's sentences, literally. You know each other's moves yeah. and you know, and you yeah. trust one another. Right. So have you ever wanted to punch someone at the fa- in the face at the Oscars? At the Oscars? Yeah. I mean... People's Choice Awards. I mean, I've wanted to punch people that, like when I'm watching them at home. <laughs> I don't think anyone would ever imagine you wanting to punch anybody in the face uh, at the Oscars or anywhere. Anywhere. No, there's so many people I'd love to punch in the face for sure. I, I Who? hate, look, name them. Andy, I hate people. <laughs> Give me like your top anybody five. hates people. I want names. I'm not a saint. <laughs> No, I can't. There's so many people. I just, I mean, I have a deep-seated loathing, All right, like real well, loathing. This is a good segue into our next, <laughs> the, the next phase of the podcast. Uh, who in Washington would you like to punch uh, in the face? God, the list is long. <laughs> the list is really long. Just give me one. I name. mean, Josh Hawley. Oh, right? that's a good I mean, one. I mean, he'd be up there. There's, you know, there's it's it's uh, how did we get to this place I, right you know and i mean there are uh there are so many people that are it's upsetting and you see what's going on in the world it's it's soul crushing so besides uh besides aging what keeps you up at night um what's what, the one thing what, what do you worry about most right now i mean i you know it's I worry about the state of the world. Certainly it seems as if we're, things are different right now. Um, I don't know where we go from here as far as the division in the, in the country, in the world. Uh, it's not like telling the truth makes a bit of difference anymore. Uh, it's not like people are listening to one another. Um, I think half the country has their brains wired in one way. And those wires are being reinforced, all of that, um, whatever they want to believe. And they can talk to people online who share those views. Um, and, and we're just, and I just think, well, how do you get back from that? Where do you go from here? Uh, so that, that keeps me up when I see that combined with what's happening with guns in the country. Um, and then the biggest issue uh, of climate change uh, it's it's all kind of bleak. And then I think of George Carlin, and I just go, yeah, you know what? Um, it, we're, the world is going to shake us off like a case of the fleas. <laughs> We've done this to ourselves, and um, and good for the planet. <laughs> it's going to be okay. We'll be gone. And, you know, when I think big picture, like, all right, that's not so bad. But it's a drag because I have children. Yeah, I was just going to say, doesn't it? <laughs> so, I mean, that so, must depress the shit out of you when you think of that because yeah, you have kids. And, it, it, you know. My son feels this too. I mean, he's like a big Carlin fan. I don't know if you've seen that documentary, by the way. It's great. I started watching it. It's really good. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it is. 
it's a it's it's really de- it's really depressing. Well, we always had you mentioned gun. We always had gun violence. We've always had climate issues. But w- w- what keeps me up at night these days is that now we're talking about like the 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 survival of our democracy. Right. We've never had that shit before. Right. And that's scary when you look at the when you talk about the division in the country. We are now divided between people who like and want to keep democracy and, and and the other group that doesn't seem to give a shit about it. I don't know if you, I mean, I assume you've been watching the hearings. And yeah. Like, you know, what do you think of like where that's going to go, if it's going to mean anything, if it's going to help in any way, bring some people over and go, oh, wait a second. This is yeah, crazy what's you, it's, that's Isn't that crazy that we've hit a point where you think, is this going to matter? Right. Can you believe when you would think that, can is this going to make a difference? When you think about it, like in, in like, if you just try to like put it into a sentence and go, okay, the former United States president uh, conspired to steal the election, overthrow the government, um, incite a deadly insurrection, and then was rooting for his vice president's murder. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, this is like a James Patterson novel, or even worse than a James Patterson novel. And it's like, how did we get there? So where, quickly. Where half the country is okay with that. That's the that's the crazy thing, that they're okay with that. You Why? know, I think our brains are really malleable. I think we're easily manipulated. Um, uh, you, did you see the the vow? Yeah, you know that mm-hmm. the, yeah, Keith Raniere. Yeah, yeah, you, know, sure. you see people that are kind of in Nexium, and they're pretty normal people. You know, they're not dumb, but people want answers, and everyone's kind of looking for something. So you're saying this, this is a cult? Well, I, I do think that I do think that you know it's easy enough to believe what you're told. And our brains can be rewired. And I think that there's an element of that probably happening. Even to the point where, where it just defies any logic or any common sense or mm-hmm. any reality. Yes. Yeah, you, you think people are that far gone that... But how do they get there? Like if I say you're you're wearing a yellow shirt and they go, okay, Australia says it's a yellow shirt. How, do you, how does your own soul integrity self-respect dignity whatever break down so much that you could look at a black shirt but say it's yellow because some other schmuck told you it's yellow what how did that happen uh i i i don't you know a few years ago when when there was that thing going around that said but do you what do you what do you hear when you play this little snippet and some people said they heard Laurel and another and then yes. the other half said Yanni and you would play it and it's like oh well that's Laurel I hear it it's saying Laurel and then you say to and the other person said you're messing with me right it's saying Yanni and it's so unfathomable to the person that's hearing Laurel that the other person is actually legitimately hearing Yanni right and I think that that's where we're at. Did you see the thing that's going around now with the baby in the window? The same kind of thing. Where like, do you see a baby or do you, and like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, what else would you see? There's clearly a baby in the window. Yeah. But. Well, this is, and it was like, I think a striped dress or something years before that. There's always, there are always these things going on. Well, that's what's going on. Well, there may be some logical explanation for that kind of stuff. Like yeah. people are colorblind or they're whatever, you know, like they don't see certain things. But Well, I, there's, you know, look, everyone's susceptible to propaganda. Right. Well, that's Propaganda has never had a voice like it has now. You know, there was never a thing called the internet or social media. Um, and news doesn't have to tell the truth and be called news, clearly. You know, there that used to be the case. That that used to have to have that happen, but that didn't. That changed, um, and and while that seems absolutely crazy that it's allowed to exist, it is. And so, do you do you think it that we can ever go back? Can that genie be put back in the bottle? Uh, probably not. That's pretty terrifying. Yeah. If if we 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 are at that point where we think we're we're too far gone. I yeah I I, I don't know. Everything changes. History uh, shows us, like you know, you could be in a really dark place, and then you can all, and then it's going to change. You in don't some, think in some way, you know what the what it'll look like? 
I have no idea. When it'll happen, I have no idea. Will it happen before we all just burn up? Maybe. I hope. I hope the burning up doesn't happen sooner rather than later, even though it does seem to be exponentially. What a way to, what a way to go, though. Fire. <laughs> Not, that's like the worst way to go. Um, one of the things you you and I have bonded over. God, let's get back to the sexiness, Andy. <laughs> candy. This is why it's good to have a candy store because maybe we should have done this in the candy store. <laughs> we would have been at least happier talking yeah, about yeah, you know. looking at the Partridge Family <laughs> lunchbox. And Roy, we could have we, we could have at least eaten bottle caps we while we're Bonaduce's, talking about global warming. We could have had Bonaduce zoom in. Um, one of the things you and I bonded with over the years is just right, righteous indignation. Uh, and you, you've told me on a few occasions, uh, you know, the fascinating, I found fascinating stuff that your, your late father, Mike, used to do to vent his, uh, you're okay talking about that for a little bit? Yeah. Tell yeah. us what he did. Um, well, he was, you know, he was, uh, very politically involved and passionate and, um, liberal and informed and he was a this you know he was a huge letter writer wrote many letters to the editor um and uh this was you know obviously before the internet um he would have loved your blog handy he would have loved it and uh so he 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 was always engaged and um i often think you know it's such a drag that he's not here, obviously, because I've, you know, I wasn't closer to anyone than my, my dad. But when I see the state of the world and I see what happened, um, he died, right? He died a couple of weeks before Obama was voted in mm-hmm. as president. Um, but when I think now about what he doesn't have to see, it's truly the only silver lining of the entire thing. All right. Because I don't know how he would have, I don't know how he would have made it. But do you think, see, I, when, when you tell me about your dad, I think like if he were here today, like he'd have his own website, he'd have a blog. No, nah, he was, you, you talk about a Luddite. That guy, he had a cell phone. I don't think he ever you'd used hook, it. You'd hook him up though. <laughs> well, I would you'd have, get a geek for him. <laughs> I would, I would I'm be useless. Um <laughs> Yeah, he. Uh, you think he would have sat? He'd be sitting silent. No, like absolutely. Throwing not. rocks no, into no, a ab- lake. Or something? Absolutely not. You're probably right. He would have. He would have. Uh, it's one of the many things I respected about him is that he he never uh, kind of gave up. He never lost his passion for um, what was good in the world, what was great about our country, uh, what's good about humanity, and uh, being angry at things that were really worth being angry about and fighting it. And, uh, and yeah, he was impressive like that. I think he would, I think he would have, he would have had a big voice because I, I, knowing what you, you say about him, it would be hard. And looking at through the lens of my own indignation, like I, I'd be, be hard for him not to, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, he, I mean, look at what he went through to send letters Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And to congressmen and senators. And I mean, you have those books that are like filled with When replies. he died, I, 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 I kind of recovered so many. He had, I mean, hundreds. He'd yeah. saved so but the replies uh, to him. Uh, and are, replies, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and he would call in radio shows and Limbaugh and all of those kind of right-wing shows. And, and he would always say, you know, facts never get in the way of a lot of their... Right. You know, if, it, if, it's, if it's inconvenient for their argument, they don't want to know about actual facts. So he, you know, he, he was always kind of doing that when he died. I compiled a lot of those letters I found him and yeah, and put them in a, in a book that you saw. But, um, he had an interesting, interesting perspective as well because he was born in London. You know, he came to this country, he was about nine years old. Um, but everyone, you know, in my family, like I'm first generation American and, um, and you know, there's a real love of this country, uh, from from people who, who have maybe lived in other countries too, you know, I th- I always feel like the if you really want to learn about your country, go to another one. I mean, the mo if you really want to learn about America, get outside of America, right? And um, a- and it also you know helps you uh, understand what's so fantastic about this country, 
but also what's so fantastic about some other countries too. <laughs> and not and, so fantastic. And not so fantastic yeah. about this one. Like there are people in this country today like decrying American democracy as like, well, we've never had democracy. Democracy sucks as we're watching people in Ukraine still living in subway stations for three months and getting their cities destroyed. Like it's just, it's incredible how our democracy on so many levels by so many people is, is, is so underappreciated and maybe even un, misunderstood, you know? Um, anyway, I mean, you've never you're, seen the other side of it. Don't know what it's like yeah, to live without well, that it. makes it easy to, yeah. to, to, you know, to, to criticize. But, um, I always think your dad died on my birthday. So every, every birthday I always think of your dad and, and, uh, you know, especially these days. And, uh, I met him a couple of times, a few times and he, he was a good guy. Um, thank you. You are a huge sports fan. As we wind this up, I want to get your thoughts mm -hmm. because uh, the Chiefs. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm not a big football fan. I'm a big Knicks fan, which means I'm in a constant state of depression. Right. But Mahomes was traded, which had you know. No, uh, Tyreek Hill was traded. Mahomes is still on the Chiefs. Mahomes. Oh, why did I think Mahomes was traded? Well, you really aren't a sports fan. Jesus. Right? That's a big no, no, no. Mahomes, uh, our wide receiver Tyreek Hill, who was, uh, you know, the best, he was a great wide receiver. I gotta fix these glasses. Yeah. <laughs> he was just traded. He was just traded to um, the Miami Dolphins. Oh, why would I? Why did I think Mahomes was traded? Oh, you know what I'm thinking of? What the kid up in uh, Jeff's. Oh, you're thinking of Seahawks. You're thinking of Russell Wilson. Russell went to, went to Wilson. There you go. By the way, I was in, you know, I was just in Ireland. Um, and it was the first time we had uh, spread my father's ashes in Ireland. He loved Ireland. And so my dad made his living talking about the Titanic. That was, he was a Titanic right. expert and, and do these Titanic historical tours, all kinds of things. And one of the places that he spent a lot of time in was Cove. Cove in Ireland, which was the last port of call before Titanic. Titanic left Cove and went transatlantic, you know, across the Atlantic, and that's uh, on her way to New York where uh, she sunk. So Cove was this, is this beautiful little town in Cork. Uh, the last time I was there was when we spread my my dad's ashes, and there's a, a hotel there called the Commodore Hotel, which was really important to him, and he would stay there a lot, and. It was emotional. We were there a few, uh, a couple months ago, and I was walking up to the Commodore Hotel, and I'm with my family. My son is on his phone, and it's an emotional thing. And as I'm walking up to the door and looking at this and seeing the Commodore Hotel for the first time, m my son said, "What? D the Chiefs just gave Tyreek Hill per permission to seek a trade." And I went, whoa, wait, what? And all of a sudden, uh, a heavy day got really bad. <laughs> and it was like, and I, I, I'm like, oh my God, this is the first time I've seen the Commodore Hotel since my dad. And then I learned about Tyreek Hill. And all, and then and then well, and then we're just sitting on the side, just looking at Chiefs news all the time. Kind well, of. The silver lining <laughs> is Mahomes didn't get traded. That is that is absolutely true. Yeah. But uh, but the Royals suck this year. Yeah, they're what, terrible. You know, yeah. That's uh, that's got to be. It's it's a, such a drag. I mean, yeah. worst worst team in baseball. Yeah, I mean, that's... but you know the 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 Royals. We had a couple of great years in like kind of 2014 and 15. But people forget that kind of. 30 years before that, the Royals were the worst team, not just in baseball, but all of professional sports. I think they were the losingest kind of small market team. And um, we had, you know, good players, but you, it's, it's hard for a team like that to hold on to really good players. So when we won the World Series, there was a joy that many, you know, like certainly fans of that team, like, it was it was enormous. It was huge, just huge. Um, but boy, we fell off fast. Yeah. Well, they're living up to that legacy this year for sure. Yeah. So yeah. one of the things I want to do on this show to sort of help people understand who I interview. Uh, I think music. I know you're a big music fan. Music sort of is a part of our lives in ways that that uh, can help people understand who we are in so many ways. So I want to ask you uh, one final question here what is your who would be in your top five of uh, 
musical artists of all time. Of all time. Yeah. Well, I mean, number one is the is the Beatles. Um, do, do I have to like kind of say like if I'm doing top five, would I do like the Beatles and then Paul McCartney and then George Harrison? So, so your, I'm wearing a George Harrison shirt right it's now. It's your top um, five, man. I mean, it's like I feel like it could all it could be I feel all Beatles. If we have to. I, it, by the way, you throw Yoko in there. It absolutely could be all Beatles. Sean, um, uh, I would. I, I mean, the Beatles number one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an impossible question. It's just impossible. I are. mean, like, uh, Tom Waits mm-hmm. would probably be in my top five. I'm thinking like all time Elvis Costello. Um, oh my God. I mean, this is clock's ticking. You got to. Well, I mean, like, come on. Now you're going to put time limits on yes. me? Uh, you know, that's... Uh, I, I love the Pogues. <laughs> They're one of my favorite bands ever. Um, I think Shane McGowan is a, is a poet. I, I, you know... I, well, you're proving, you're proving my point. Yeah, I mean, like, very... look, I, in a way, you almost have to go through, like, kind of blocks of time. I'm, I'm a huge fan of, like, right now, and, and for the last several years, Neil Hannon of Divine Comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, just... This last week, I've been listening to nothing but Orville Peck and Brandy Carlisle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say like I, I'd say like Orville Peck right right now. Just like this week, that's the, I'm just playing like nonstop. All right, who are you? Who are your uh, top five ventriloquists? Well, Willie Tyler and Lester, obviously. Uh, I'm gonna go with Jay <laughs> Johnston from uh, uh, Johnstone or uh, from the guy from Soap. Uh, Waylon Flowers and Madam, classic. Got you know. I'm already uh, impressed. Yeah, so that's uh, that's three. There's Jeff Dunham, who's you know kind of like I feel like picked up the mantle from uh, uh, a lot of our greatest, and then Charlie uh, McCarthy. I mean, who started it all, right? I mean, he's kind of the Beatles of ventriloquism. So, so you actually now you are the most cultured man alive. I just named you, without stopping five ventriloquists. That was <laughs> that was incredibly impressive, and uh, I know you got a bunch of things to do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna end on that note because I don't think he, I don't think either of us can top that. Uh, all right. So thank you so much one. for coming in. Good way to end it. Uh, I am really honored that that you you. Uh, of course, no. I uh, I'm uh, thrilled to be here. I'm really concerned about your glasses, though, because I'm looking at you right in the eyes. It's also it's weird funny, that we've known each you. other. For, we've known each other for many, many years, and it's it's interesting to sit across and really look into the eyes, like into your eyes, to talk like this. We've done it before, but like, do you know what's weird for me what? is that because of where I'm positioned and talking through the mic. This thing is right. So not yeah. only am I seeing weird shit out of my left yeah. cracked glasses yeah. eye, but yeah. I'm sort of seeing double because I'm looking There's through this. There's a bar like a, right between in the center exactly, of your eyes. And your eyes are going, yeah. are focusing on it like the opti grab from the jerk. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to head to the mall right after this. And uh, uh, yeah. please no, fix actually, those. No, that no, can't I, be good. No. This is like a. This is this is a. What do you what do you call those things? Like a, a talking. A, uh, conversation piece. Oh, is that? Is That's that, exactly what it is. <laughs> I was gonna. I was thinking you were looking for the word kaleidoscope. <laughs> uh, that works. Yeah, yeah. You but, can't but be do driving know, in those. Andy. Do, do, oh, you you have no idea the things I do in these glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Drive with one one uh, eye closed. Yeah, but uh, thanks again for coming in, and uh, you know. Um, you're, as we Jews like to say, you're a mensch. Oh. So you're a mensch. So I appreciate well, it. I, I appreciate that, Andy. Right. I think you're a mensch. And, just a couple uh, of mensches. Just a couple of. Yeah. That's a TV series right there. A couple of mensches. My two mensches. Felix! <laughs> what is this? Pick this up! <laughs> now it's garbage. Oh, uh, that scene where you Oh, my it? back! <laughs> I actually do say that a couple of times a day. You're back. Yeah, the, between that and Ugh, acknowledging right, the liver back. spots, I'm I'm falling God. apart. I'm a fucking mess. Jeez, you're raging in reverse, and I'm you're... a fucking mess. This is this is why I think we have a good friendship. <laughs> couple, couple of altacockers. <laughs> and Yiddish, you throw in some Yiddish. Always, it can't, it can't get better than that, right?
Did you watch the Tonys last night? I didn't. I actually taped the Tonys <laughs> with, with the expectation that I actually might watch it after last night. I watched it. How much you want to bet I don't watch it? I, I bet you. Was it good? Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> but there's a section. I was like, Billy Crystal was doing Yiddish scat as Mr. Saturday Night. I, I was crying. Brilliant. It was so funny. <laughs> brilliant. It really made me laugh. It's funny you mentioned Billy Crystal because I was my my daughter, our our kids, Jack, your daughter, your son Jack, and my daughter Sophie uh, know each other real well. And Sophie's 18 now and has a boyfriend. Jack has a girlfriend, and, and so they were. I, uh, they're not up here with me, and. Uh, they're in the city, and uh, they were looking for a movie to watch. And I said, watch When Harry Met Sally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kids today, it's like, yeah. I was like, just trust me, watch Harry Met When Harry Met Sally. You know, who's in it? I was like, Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan. I don't know if they watched it, though. I hope they did, because he's a genius. Is this where that, this was where that story was going? Yeah. <laughs> it was an old dad trying to teach kids I about know, I, I don't know what that story. was. <laughs> That was a just. I told you it was. I'll think about that one on the ride home. This must be the gentle, going gently on me uh, part, Paul. (laughs) If we weren't being recorded right now, I would destroy you. We have an edit button, right? Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. Please keep it in. The people need to know. We edit nothing out of this thing. The people need to know. So what are you doing the rest of the day? They're going to walk. They're going to say like, oh my God, I really have to listen to this podcast now every week. If if it's going to include gems like that. Oh. There was one thing I wanted to say. You've got a big event coming up. Speaking of charity and generosity, you've got a big event coming up at the end of this month. That's right. Big Slick for yeah. the Children's Mercy Hospital down in Kansas City. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we do it every year. It's our 13th year. Uh, if you want to uh, donate a million dollars, go to bigslickkc.org and read all about it. That's exactly what I wanted to do today. <laughs> Perfect. S- since the market's tanking, I have so much extra cash. Oh, well, put, you know, yes, exactly. Give it to Give it to Children's Mercy Hospital. So why don't you read that that or uh, that URL one more time? Say that URL one more time. That URL. URL. I'm not URL. URL. I'm not urinal. Read the say the All urinal. Right, I'm to talk more about time. this urinal one more time. Bigslickkc.org. Okay. It's called Big Slick because it used to be a poker tournament. We don't play poker anymore, but we we kept the name, which makes no sense. So go there, people, and donate. Donate for the mensch. Yes, donate for the kids. The, the man who's trying to help the kids, or is helping the kids. You, thirteen. There's, 15 there's, a, there's several. So men, there are several menches. There's Rob, Rob Riggle. Eric Don't you Stone mention Street. them? I'll mention them. I'll, I'll mention their urinals. <laughs> uh, it, Rob Riggle, mm-hmm. Eric Stone Street, Dave Keckner, Jason Sudeikis, and I. We're all from the same town, and we've been which doing, is amazing. We've been doing this now for thirteen years. Uh, and our families run this charity. It's just grown out of what can we do for this hospital? It's such a great mm, hospital. Incredible. And uh, and so now all of our families are involved and have been really since the beginning. So it's unique in this regard that it's this big event in Kansas City and it's a charity event. And we have no middlemen. Every single dollar that is donated goes right to the hospital. Nobody's taking any kind of salary. There are no fees. There's no nothing. Um, and it's it's amazing. It's amazing to see what people do to kind of help uh, these kids and, and, and this hospital, which is an, an amazing place. Kansas City's really stepped up. We've raised a lot of money so far, and not just from people in Kansas City. Well, I mean, that's, you, you've, you've, you've called a lot of attention to it, and that's, that was the point, and, you know. It's amazing. Some you. of these, these things grow out. Of, like, never was the, who knew? Um, I mean, I know a lot of people don't know what this event is, but um, but it's grown a lot. And, you know, these things happen. Again, organically, you can never kind of plan for it. Right. And it's amazing, all these people that came out of your hometown. Isn't Ham from? John, yeah, John, Ham's from St. Louis. Um, which Same is thing. About, <laughs> it's all flyover country to most, down of, there. To most of you elites. <laughs> hey, I'm from Queens. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm from Palisades Park, <laughs> so not so far off. But um, uh, yeah, it's it, it. You know, St. Louis is uh, about four hours from Kansas City. Right. Yeah. All right, man. All right. Thanks again. Oh my God, we saved you. The best. You the best. Thank you, Andy. So there you have it, episode one of the back room in the can. I'd like to thank uh, once again Maddie Rosenberg, his junior engineer to be Jan Hamoud, 
And of course, the very funny, awesome Paul Rudd. What a truly great guy. So keep your eyes and ears on Washington, Hollywood, and in your own backyard. And we hope you'll join us again for our next episode. Thanks for listening. Take care. Have a great week. Bye.